It's going to be a serious one today. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. You tried really hard. I tried really hard. I really, really tried. All right. Welcome to uh, another episode of the the Dissect Podcast. Um, This is Mark. Keegan is here. Michael is here. And uh, I kind of got a a bone to pick (laughs) or to tear apart and make a wish, maybe. Um, and, and it, it, it start, well, it's, it started a long time ago, but came to a head uh, a couple of weeks ago when I was contacted by the BBC to participate in an interview, like a, a, a live radio interview, um, discussing, um, some different topics about how, you know, the influence of, um, uh, let's see, well, first the, the prevalence of, uh, you know, the, the, the physicality of the male body in, in, in cinema and how potentially that is affecting people who see those movies, specifically young men, um, but also others. And, uh, um, and, and so this, this and, the, and the, the, I took a lot of notes, I actually went back and forth with the producer, which, and then spent 40 minutes on the phone with him um, talking about all the shit that actually didn't happen during the radio interview, which was extremely disappointing. Um, because I thought that the topic would be fairly interesting to, you know, discuss, uh, yeah, the influence of those bodies, how the, you know, those bodies get made, um, and, uh, and, and to, and to what effect and whether it's actually new or not. You know, I sent a couple of pictures of Charles Bronson to the producer and said, you know, saying a new thing because check this dude out back then. And, uh, um, and, 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 you know, and, and, and many more, but, uh, um, so the, 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 the topic or the, the idea of toxic masculinity came up and I had to actually look it up, uh, because I didn't know what it meant, as I think I mentioned on a private podcast earlier. Um, and, uh, so I want to, ta- I want to talk about that, but also the, the, this idea that when we see these things these days, sometimes, um, the, you know, the, he was saying, oh yeah, these young men, they'll, you know, who already have self-esteem issues because they can't get a job or because they're not as smart as the other guy, or they're not, you know, they don't, they, they aren't what they see on social media or on the big screen. And how did we get from the point where we would see an achievement of some kind? And that could, it, it could be anything, obviously, you know, since we're a motivational fitness podcast, let's just talk about, uh, uh, <clears throat> you know, we talk about it, you know, a physical achievement, whether it, it's within sport or, or, you know, just simple human, whatever, um, you know, or it could be in business, it could be in anything. We would see maybe these achievements and um, treat them as motivational. They might be something which inspired us to uh, try something different to try some try harder to focus to realize like okay I would like that I could become maybe I could become that I feel like there was a period of time where 
that was the case. We would see the thing. Now we see it like a major, you know, an incredible sporting achievement. And the immediate reaction is, oh, he's a fucking doper or a cheater. Or it was, you know, some, that's fake. That's CGI. That's this. That's that. Because I tried that and I couldn't do it. Therefore, they couldn't do it because, you know, I'm the man um, or something. But oftentimes we see this achievement um, and we feel inadequate because of, wow, someone did that. I haven't done that. I can't do that. Um, and I feel bad. <clears throat> That's out of reach. I quit. And, and not only do I quit, I give up. I'm going to, you know, talk about how that thing is bad because it makes me feel bad. Like your achievement makes me feel bad. Therefore, your achievement should not be discussed. It shouldn't be put on social media. None of this stuff should be glorified or even publicized because it makes underachievers feel bad. And my whole position on that is if you're an underachiever, you should fucking feel bad when confronted by achievement or overachievement. And the, the, and the cure for feeling bad about that is to try harder. As you say, actually achieve something. Yeah. But to but to try not to declare the thing something or to to paint it with a particular brush so that other people pile on and talk about like oh man that guy's chest is too big makes me you know in my skinny little bike racer ass feel bad and so he should cover that up or whatever I mean now I'm, now I'm stretching it but um, <clears throat> but th- but this idea of you know that that. Uh, people feeling inadequate. They're, I'm watching the superhero movie, right? I'm a kid. I'm an 18 year old, you know, didn't get great dietary advice or examples around me when I was growing up and didn't have great, you know, mentors or influencers around me to, you know, have me playing sports or doing some kind of exercise. So I'm a soft, you know, video game playing underachiever. Uh, and maybe you overachieve in video games. I don't know, but, <laughs> but you know, you're sitting there hypothetical, adolescent and watching a superhero movie and somehow feeling inadequate or watching 300. Let's just take it there. Cause I am that 300 guy. Mm. So, um, watching 300 and you're like, all oh, that's just a fucking glorious, glorious field of human achievement there in front of you. And, um, and, and you, 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 you feel shitty about it. And, um, you feel shitty about yourself because you know you see that on the screen, and then you go look at yourself in the mirror, and you go back and you start press, press play again or whatever, and you okay, there's that, and then you, okay, now I'm going to take my tablet into the where the mirror is, and I'm going to look at them, and I'm looking at myself, and I'm just like, God damn, and we are comparative by nature, and so we're going to look at often look at these things and go, that's not like I'm not like that, that's not like me, and uh, uh. The funny thing is about that, and, and then if you, okay, that makes you feel bad. Well, okay, if you're looking at a superhero, 300, okay, those were, you know, those were hard-earned uh, changes that you're seeing there. Um, and But in many of these cases, you know, you're looking at this superhero body, which, um, well, it came from a fucking comic book in the first place. So, so the fact that it makes you feel bad, you know, don't don't feel bad because you're looking at fa- you know you're often looking at fantasy, right? As opposed to so um, if you're if if uh, so of course you can't get there, right? You're not going to look like X superhero necess- you know because um, especially if you 
realizing, okay, this was this was originally an illustration. Um, if you're being realistic and you're looking at a body type to model, it's silly to use the most extreme examples, right? It's like you know, uh, you know, either a lean, raw, on-camera physique or a physique developed after excessive, you know post-success celebration Um, because that's a different kind of physique that, you know, many don't want to achieve. Uh, um, But oftentimes what you're, what you are looking at, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's unrealistic to think I'm going to be walking around looking like that one guy did for 24 hours after a lot of training and a lot of peaking and a lot of leaning to target one specific thing. So if you look at the, you know, an actual bodybuilder on stage, that's not fantasy that happened but it's fantasy for you to think that you can get there and stay there because that was a condition that was achieved for a maximum of like a 24 hour period. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes when you see it in the movies, it's the same. So that, that, you know, you got to know what you're looking at on the one hand so that you, you know, you, you, because it's important to feel inadequate, but you should feel inadequate according to things which are, you know, real and achievable and sustainable if that's what you are after in terms of an aesthetic look in your own life. Um, and, and so I want to talk about some of these, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> some, some of this shit. <laughs> I saw Michael writing a novel over there. So <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, uh, fuck, I don't know where to start. The, uh, I think you started with, there's a couple key things that are going on. We, uh, there is it seems like there is a shift and i would relate it to some like as a overarching problem of uh or some stem of uh status anxiety this and yeah. if we define anxiety anxiety is basically a fear-based emotional response um that, that it tell it informs your body to get up and get out and get after something like i feel anxiety when death looms or something is hunting me or that that's an actual pain response Um, but we get that same anxiety um when we are entitled to an outcome so the the easiest way for me to like describe this is if i go to school with you know 20 guys uh we grow up together we come from the same economic background yada 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 we have a, a very similar you know, white male privilege, however you want to describe it. Um, if I fast forward and we all, you know, go to college and we all get similar jobs and then, and then, then chaos happens. And for some reason, one of my friends has a Ferrari and I, I can't comprehend why he gets that. And I don't, that causes a certain sort of status anxiety. We get this feeling like we are not living up to, he's making me feel bad. I'm feeling this this painful response based on the fact that we should have the same things. We are equals. We are peers. We have the same experiences. But you're making you feel bad in that Yes, moment. 100%. <clears throat> well, or, but only because of the comparison. Yes. If the comparison was not there, that wouldn't be there. And what, what they look at, like some of the mental disorders, I guess you could arrange them as our psychological issues that people are facing today, are largely based on the fact that we have removed a class system, being that... Um, or I mean, desperately tried to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like we have tried to remove that and told everybody that they're actually equal. They, they all have the same opportunity to succeed in which case, yeah, that, that creates a level playing field for most people, you know, social issues aside. Um, but for the most part, all of these go away. As soon as you classify somebody into a certain demographic, you are a noble person. You are a, um, 
You are not. You are in a subclass of person. Everybody from our point of view will think that's a bad thing, but it actually removes a lot of pain involved in comparison in our in our how we go about life. That seems like a long draw, but I had to, I had to kind of. No, I, th- I think this idea of that you know we are comparative by nature mm-hmm. and we tend to want what we see as different and or better. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and if we can't get that, especially if we can't get it without inordinate effort, and I'm using the air quotations marks mm-hmm. right now, um, because what is you know inordinate effort? It's not normal effort or not the effort you're maybe willing to put into it. Um, uh, and, and and I think that 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 um, there has. I think that's part of the difference right now is that, oh, uh, the effort to, you know, that is required to succeed at anything has always been ordinary. Hmm. And it has, and by that I mean normal and expected. Fast forward to, you know, the curated presentation of other people's lives on social media where you don't see the normal effort you don't see any of the effort that went into maybe that success you just want the consequence you want that outcome but without all the stuff beforehand and and but this comparative thing i agree is 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 the source of much of the problem is that like i and uh it might be I mean, when we see these things, your friend got the Ferrari, let's say. Mm. Why do you want the Ferrari? I mean, the thing gets shitty mileage. It's always in the shop. Okay, it's because the status symbol. It's, a, it's, it's basically a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a success trophy. It's mm-hmm. look, look what I have that you don't. I don't even think it's that. It's just like, I, I, why did I, you know, if I, if I was super successful and I decided I want to have a Ferrari um, and I went and got one, why would I want it? Not to, not to show other people necessarily. It's like, because, well, then I'd need to figure out how to actually use it and i guess if <laughs> fuck i guess if anybody wants a ferrari maybe they're not really a you know in it for the drive i don't i don't know now well, it got me confused well, because <laughs> because there's four <laughs> we, we have to there, there's four types of wealth that way we're not just oh because this is where i think the vitality of looking a certain way fits into this because if we describe status anxiety as a or a status as either um it's one of four counterparts. We can talk about money. That's the easiest one. That's a sure. sign of status. But so is power. And it's usually a derivative of money. Like if you have power, you usually don't have money because you can get all the influences you want. It's almost akin to being um, omnipotent and omniscient. Like you don't need both. You can have one or the other. But then we get into the two that are you know, re- only thought about later in life, which are health and time. And those two things are weighed against people that look a certain way. So I think instead of anxiety, when we usually see material things, that's the easiest thing to yearn after because it's the easy. It's just an exchange of money, and money is made by spending time or gaining power or some some variation of that. But when we see somebody who has health or vibrancy or something that we would feature as like, oh, that guy's really lean, he's really muscular, we see that as something that we can't directly but, <clears throat> exchange for. But lean is different than health. Muscular is different than health. 
Totally. However, they are conflated. One hundred percent, they're put in the same. They are in the health and fitness category. Right. And, and the only reason I play that is because if most people understood what it takes to buy a Ferrari, they would not be interested in the cost of that. And if most people saw what it takes to buy a six pack or leanness or sinewy features, they would not be interested in that purchase because of the demand on actual health and time or money or whatever effort. Yeah. Also true. I mean, and I think that, you know, there's when when looking at these things on screen and, and declaring them, you know, um, out of reach, mm-hmm. unrealistic. OK, it's not necessarily the job of, you know, fucking Hollywood superhero movie to be realistic in any fucking way whatsoever. <laughs> but um, only in that feature. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, <laughs> so, uh, they're actually trying to do the opposite. Be unrealistic. Yeah. And that's so, entertaining because that's entertaining. And so why would you as a young man go into the movie theater and see this unrealistic shit mm-hmm. and feel bad? Like, dude, you can't get that. You can't look like that. And guess what? It's life. There's going to be a lot of shit that you can't have or get. So get used to it. And if, and if you're, you know, if you've grown up with, and we're going to touch on this, I'm sure the participation trophy and the, mm-hmm. everyone's just as good as everyone else. And that sort of thing. Um, you know, if you've grown up that way, of course, when you like immediately have that that moment of clarity um, at, at some point where I can't get that, like I I am not that I'm not everything they said I was or assured me that I was or all of these little tokens that I have, um, you know, representing my, you know, sort of equivalence to all things around me. Um, and then I see the thing that I can't get. Well, um, if if you didn't grow up being disappointed, it's the rest of life is going to be a really harsh <laughs> yeah. wake-up so, call. So that comparison is really interesting uh, because it, it, it informs what we... It might inform what we feel like based off of what we expected. Um, if I see somebody who is lean or rich or whatever, fill in the blank, X, the thing that I don't have, it immediately causes a reflection to what I am. And this is one of the, the hardest things that we deal with when dealing with getting people leaner. It's a it's, different kind of mirror. Right, exactly. And, and a lot of people don't realize that that mirror is held up whenever they succeed. So one of the first conversations that we have people that we're undertaking and making these drastic changes, and we know that they'll lose on the side of 50, 70 pounds sometimes in extreme transformation, or they will completely uproot their life to you know change physically. What we, in order for that to happen, we have to actually uh, acknowledge all the people around them, and that that that's not. So the, the my first question to some uh, like a you know middle aged male that comes in wanting to change, my first question is how fat is your wife or how fat is your significant other? How unhealthy is she? Um, because I'm not I'm not only concerned with him in order to sustain what he can get to. He's already interested. He's sold on it. He's talking to me. He wants this. But you can only influence him a, a certain amount of time, certain number of hours a day, and it's the environment that he is in for the majority of mm-hmm. his time that is going to have the biggest effect. And I also know his success will be a direct reflection on his biggest influencer. So when he starts making really drastic changes in lifestyle, eating differently, sleeping differently, uh, prioritizing time to himself differently, um, that reflection isn't just going to be taken as, wow, I'm really proud of my, you know, my significant other. It's going to be like, well, if he's changing, that means I'm not changing. He's getting better. That's a reflection of how poor I am. Therefore, 
um, they're more incentivized to um, to intervene to cause problems with this because it's a refle direct reflection of themselves. And if we t talk a little bit about the social influence of that environment, just mm -hmm. to bring it <clears throat> in, is you know one of the one of the easiest ways to sort of see that because you know somebody you ask some guy who's trying to change, hey, how fat is your wife? It's you know that's a bit it's a bit rough. Um, I'm not saying don't do it. It's not, I'm not saying I haven't done it, but, but I haven't they, taken my sensitivity training yet. <laughs> okay. That's uh, I think that's after the first of the year that course has come out. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Keegan's um, the director of sensitivity. I'm the training. HR department here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but the other, the, another piece of it is, you know, have just having a simple dietary discussion with somebody and like, what's the, you know, I need to lose some weight. Say somebody comes and asks that and says, I need to lose some weight. Um, I've heard about this intermittent fasting thing, for example, or any other dietary sort of, you know, or any other structured way of consuming calories. <laughs> um, I've heard about this intermittent fasting thing, you know, would that be good? And my answer is always the same, or my answer is always a question. Um, and it's a similar question, which is, you know, what are your social circumstances? Do you have, you know, wife and children you need to eat dinner with? Can you structure your training to occur right before your feeding window opens? Can you get up in the morning and not have a social sort of meal related interaction with people? Do you have a job where, you know, it's obligatory to eat lunch with clients and that sort of thing? Because if any of those things are, you know, if you, if you can't manage any of those things, then intermittent fasting isn't for you. Cause it's you, just going to add way more stress to the day trying to adhere to that than just be able to do a diet that works for your social situation for the social circumstances that you're in. Exactly. And I think it's the same, same mm -hmm. thing that Michael you're saying is like, okay, if you, if you can't manipulate the environment, then it doesn't matter what you're able to do. And, and it just goes right back to the whole movie thing. Right. <laughs> and that's kind of where I was going with it was that, okay, in personally developing for these exact things, then let's fast forward. That person makes a great change. Uh, they are seen on a film somewhere, and then the next person looks at them like, oh, that, that reflection starts reflecting on them. If they learn that that person works hard, they go, oh, that means if I don't look like that, that means I don't work hard. Therefore, I must excuse their performance as something that I am unwilling to do, either morally or ethically. It's drugs, it's time, it's whatever that I am unwilling to give up because a reflection of just saying like, look, it's a lot of hard work to get here. You go, oh, I guess I'm unwilling to do a lot of hard work. Most people are not willing to deal with that reflection. But but that's a really good thing to be able to say to oneself because it's the first, like if, if I look at it and I go, wow, that's the result of a lot of hard work. I'm not willing to do that hard work. I say that out loud. Mm -hmm. And then ideally, I get a little bit more willing. Depending on what kind of person you are when you look at something that's admirable. If I see you're, and I would hate to make a black and white distinction here, but this is fairly accurate. When I see something that gets achieved, I have one of two things in my head. I'm either skeptical, which I'm more likely to fall on the side of excusal, or I'm curious. Excusal in what, I mean. Like, uh, they did this because of that, therefore I could not do this. Like, Right, okay. I so you make an excuse for why you couldn't. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, and then the other side would be curiosity. Can I do this? I start asking questions. What would it take? What would it do? The, the, the skepticism is questioning on the side of how can I excuse this? The curiosity is on the side of how can I get this done? And where you land nice. is highly determinant on where you're going to go. Sorry. 
I, I know. <laughs> I say, all right, folks. I didn't mean that's to kill our, the conversation. Our, our podcast. Well, I wanted to try to tie it into social media, and then you said that, and I didn't really know how to do that, but now I'm going to do it anyways. Yeah. Um, I do think one thing that's going on is that these actors, these movie stars, whoever we're looking up to or looking down upon or however you want to say it, is much more prevalent in everybody's eyes these days with social media, the internet, hmm. all that shit. Where like when I was growing up or when we were all growing up, Mark, you were a little before us. Me and Michael are about the same age. But like in early 90s, you see Arnold in all these big movies, you know, action movies. And people wanted to be Arnold. I wanted to be Arnold. But it wasn't like after the movie was over, you didn't go scroll through his Instagram page and see him working out or mm-hmm. see all these pictures of him with his shirt off. And it's almost like we're in a paralysis by analysis these days where you can see all these movie stars and all these things that you're not every day scrolling through your phone for hours a day and hours a day. I, I mean, I, I would agree that the the um, the damage, you know, uh, done to people's self-image <laughs> um, by social media and regular media sure. is, you know, far greater today than yep. in than, than than in the past. Um, but also I would I would I would posit that uh, and I want to be corrected on this because this is just a, just a thing. <laughs> and, and this is maybe because this is a little guy thing, right? Because when I saw Arnold in Conan, I didn't like that was not an aspirational thing. For, I wasn't like, man, oh, sure. I want to I look like that because there was no in my head. I couldn't get from, you know, from where I was. I couldn't make that leap that, you know. You know the the bodybuilding encyclopedia was out at that time. Sure, so, you know I, yeah. I could I could instead of scrolling through images on my phone, I just turned pages in an actual book. Um, but I also realized like holy shit, this is this is something that I I'm not willing to do. I can't do. Um, well, no, there, I I I, I well, can. There's, there's I, really I can, no comparison. It's six foot four, six foot five guy to five foot seven, eight. Eight. I was going to go five foot seven, five foot eight, <laughs> yeah. but I stopped no, myself. But, anyway, uh, um, uh, but but just like so, I, so I as a smaller guy yeah. looked at that and was just like, okay, no, I, that's not a, and and there was no judgment. It's just like, okay, that's I I, I don't want uh, that doesn't appear accessible to me. However, and and I think this is the the, the case for you know many people when they saw three hundred. And then they realized that those guys weren't big, right? That they were just incredibly stripped down. That became accessible because it because the gulf wasn't that right. was wasn't wasn't the, the quite the same. Like I go, okay, there's no. I mean, and, and it's not a it's not a height weight. You know, there's no way I'd ever be could ever even get to two hundred five. But if that's what Arnold's competition weight was, and probably people don't even believe that, do they? Probably not because. Especially now, the bodybuilders weigh like three hundred pounds on stage. Yeah, th- yeah. Thanks, thanks, Dorian. Um, <laughs> uh, but the but I, I you know I think like got people looked at I mean from my perspective look at Conan uh, or Arnold playing Conan realize okay that's not that's that's super fucking impressive not aspirational. Well, same thing. Guys from three hundred, super fucking impressive. Somehow aspirational, yeah. Well, and maybe it's the coincidence of you know social media at the same time and this and that and the you know more accessibility of uh you know to oh this you know all the secret training plans and all that shit. But um, but I, I just feel like it was they were smaller bodies and therefore more people felt like it was a a a, 
a, a smaller ask. Yeah. And I mean, I said Arnold because as a kid growing up, no. I'm six foot five. It kind of made yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, if I had seen a picture of you in your climbing days at, you know, probably like 4% body fat, if I was scrolling through some microfiche or something that you might be in, <laughs> I wouldn't have thought that was attainable for me. <laughs> <laughs> At the public library, scrolling through microfiche. And, like, um, where's, in the Dewey Decimal System, what is like lean dudes from the, from the past? Where's that? <laughs> where's that at? Yeah, that's under uh, parasite and amoebic <laughs> dysentery, I believe. <laughs> I, I think no matter what we're looking at, like it, it needs to. We're never taught on how to look at this stuff, and that that like when movies come out, yes. they're fantasy. They're they're you know we're we're taught how to determine what is real, what is fiction, what is nonfiction, but not what is possible and what is not possible. But that fucking that's not even just movies. That's social media. Like, yeah. Well, that's where I was going. Like, media okay. in general is, is we're not, I, I mean, I look sometimes through the, like the, you know, whatever the search feature and just look at what I always like to think like, what are they selling me? And for some reason, I've been getting a lot of whale videos. No, I'm not even going <laughs> to, I actually know where that came from, I think, but off air. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I'll, I'll see some of these things and a lot of them are not real like uh, in fact most of them are not real and this is now the gimmick now it's like a, it's almost a humble brag game in the fitness industry to not only show yourself in the best light but to compare yourself of how you can make yourself look bad like you get rewarded now for quote unquote realism which is also unreal so we're in this in-between where one girl will show a picture like, this is good lighting, this is bad lighting, don't, don't believe everything you're reading. Yeah, this they're is in the same bathroom. Exactly, and, or, or, or their one is flexing, one is not, and this becomes, you know, we're almost rewarding the person for um, uh, bashing themselves. That way, no one can accuse them of, of you know, aiming yeah. too high or whatever. We have definitely come to a point in time in our society where we we are <laughs> we really like regression to the mean. Like the, our most successful people we want to bring back down to our level and make them tangible and touchable. And this was argued a, a, quite a while ago about you know what we find in beauty in America is not actually exotic beauty that is born. We love to make up our beauties. Like we love to make we love to fabricate them, like take an average female and make her beautiful and give her all the things. And that way we can also destroy them because if we made them publicly, we can take them down. This is one of the things that we don't like about natural inherent talent. We can't touch that. We can't modify it. That is, you know, that's not something we can get our hands in. So it's socially uncontrollable to see a feature like an Arnold almost. It's like, no, I don't know what that is. Like that's a genetic freak. That's somebody that I don't want anything to do. We really like the 300 thing because, man, if I just diet for six weeks, that's within range. If I look at Arnold, I'm like, man, okay, if I but then if, if you, I lift for 12 years and train really hard and then diet down, maybe I'll be a percentage of that. I for sure won't be that because he is the best the world has ever known. So some of this is just in proximity. I want to know that if I try, I can make it. And this is where I'd come to argue, I don't think try should be a word. I think it is a terrible word because it describes nothing. You just like, <laughs> you just shot down two thirds of my whole training plan. Oh, so <laughs> the try, <laughs> the try plan. Yeah. The try plan, which is no, there's, there's, the, there's the three categories. There's, there's the JRA, you know, just riding around and then there's some workouts where I try, try and there's some workouts hard. where I try hard. Uh, and I, 
in, the, this in, is, in a joking, I guess I'm mocking the word try in just the same, <laughs> in the same, in the same way. Because how do you how do you actually describe it? Because if we like in in comparison, like if I'm looking at somebody and being like, you know, I read their training program and Superman got this way because he did X, Y, and I'll be British. You said X, Y, and Z. So we can bring up the tall poppy syndrome shortly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. After, since you said Zed. Um, uh, well, if I say that, that means like, well, I tried to do it because I did the program and it didn't work. Therefore, I can at least brag about the try. I tried. And instead, yeah. it can be like, it doesn't make any sense to other people. I say, I didn't do that. But that is the most accurate thing you could say. So can we <laughs> define try as a willingness to not really do something? Ooh, I like that. I, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not going to make a shirt out of that. <laughs> try is it? <laughs> I, 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 Can you write I, that down? Yeah, yeah, I will. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead and speak, say it again so I get it right. Um, a willingness to not really do something. <laughs> uh, we'll figure out a clearer way yes. to do that, but, but you know, because so for the, for the sake of the T-shirt, you, know, yeah. you don't want to have too many words. It's got to be fairly obvious to most people, so people don't have to try to read it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, so they don't have to try to understand it after having read it. <laughs> I, that's just my bone to pick because I've been dealing this. Um, with the word effort in a similar way, because we say, oh, you have to give a great effort. That is a way of saying we don't have a word for this thing. And the only people that understand the word effort uh, inherently are people that do. Like it is yeah. not a word that translates to somebody that does not. Um, in, yeah, because effort, you can, you can, oh, you're going to have to give a good effort. Which is the exact same thing as you're going to have to try. You, you've made me go down a rabbit hole with George for like the last fucking three weeks now or whenever we did that podcast oh, right. with Softly because right. he keeps sending me definitions. <laughs> and it's like, well, that's because you put in effort and you do things. Yeah. So you want to define it, but most people wouldn't get that. And and we think because we speak the same language that we can understand, and that is simply false. Like our experience will completely define what language means to us. Um, how yeah. hard things are is a spectrum, not just a definition. To say something is hard is completely up to the person doing it. Well, it has to be, but it also needs to have a point A. Mm. Like hard and easy are in reference to something. Mm. Right? Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. Hard yeah. is a deviation from a norm and easy is a deviation from a norm. What is that norm? Regression to the mean. And whatever that norm <laughs> is for the individual hearing the word hard or difficult, right. um, you know, the, the, it, you can only understand the definition in context, in, in the context of your own personal experience so, mm -hmm. or your own norm. Because, because oh, that thing's really hard. And I'm like, well, okay, if I put it in, let's just put it in rock climbing terms. Well, I was going to say no. your training plan is, you know, depicts that quite well as well. Uh, actually, yeah. Yeah. Because just riding around is, Easy. Whatever the fuck. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I made you guys do the other day. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. You made me think and made me very observant the entire day is what happened, actually. Um, well, and, and very careful with my words about, like, okay, I'm going to try and teach something here. What's the best knowing, having spent some time with Keegan, what is, you know, what can I say and how can I say it in the way that will be the most clear in this moment. And you were very successful. Outstanding. Well, well so the the the, the, the conversation <laughs> you. the conversation me and Joe were having ahead of and just so people know we took Keegan up the canyon, um, which is not a normal 
in quotes, thing for a 265 pound man to do on a bicycle. That, that, that activity is usually reserved for people under 200 pounds because gravity. <laughs> and so like for this to happen, this is the conversation, you know, we go, um, and, and I wouldn't even say we went at an easier rate for a conversational pace. We were definitely, we were not going slow. That, that was one of the things that me and Joe kept saying was like, this is not like, the, we were not taking it easy on you. We were going at a speed and expecting you to hurt a little bit more than us and you were handling it just fine. And at some point Joe goes, well, he's doing great. Let's go down the other side. And I go, <laughs> it needs to remain that it's going great. Therefore, we can't risk it going down south. And I was like, the buy-in is very important. The the what you're talking about making this normal is important. Later we can show you what hard is, but right now we need to show you that hey, this is just normal. You can just come do this. This is accessible. Anybody, no matter now your weight, can experience this on a bike. Later we can show you how terrible it can get. But right now the buy-in is this is normal. Now I know why you guys both yelled at me at the top when I said that wasn't that bad. Yeah, and what I meant by that was relative to how bad I thought it would be based on where I was at, and then I got up and I was like, "Oh, that's it didn't suck. It really didn't. I had a good time with it, and there were parts that were hard, but I didn't like get to the top and fall off my bike and hate everybody for right. what they did. And I know at some point that'll come. So I appreciate you for <laughs> not going down the backside of that. Well, that has a lot to do with our expectations, like our how we see ourselves is based on you know obviously our experience and our expectations. And I think a lot of the pain that we feel from seeing somebody who's successful is because it goes against what we expected to be, what we were taught that we were supposed to be. Which nowadays is we're special. Anybody can be a billionaire. Uh, we're all celebrities just waiting to break out into the scene. I just need to be discovered. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just need some been just, discovered. Yet. Let me maybe I just need to sing now so that one of our audience members who's a music producer will be get him on. I, I make I, me a record album. Yeah, build it out. I, I, <laughs> Keegan, can you give him a beat? No, <laughs> neither can I. We're no, apparently cool. not even going to try because I can't so, sing. So neither. That, that's oh, good. okay. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So we were three. All right, we'll move yeah. past that idea. Yeah, well, because my expectations were I should not sing, so yeah. I'm not going to. So yeah. I'm perfectly happy. Yeah. But I think in any other regard, those expectations aren't you know set well. And so, yeah, we have to have all sorts of conversations about expectations because people's feelings get hurt. Do you think that's somehow related to? time i mean i'm in in the past episodes of the podcast once or twice at least i have you know lamented the disappearance of the you know a, apprentice journeyman master sort of trajectory for learning something or participating in an activity and i think that now because i can see it so immediately via my phone mm. internet this that the other thing television movies i can see it i ex you know, with very little buy-in, I expect to be also, I, I also expect to be able to achieve it in a similarly short uh, timeline. Whereas before, if I, oh, there's this goldsmith and he makes this beautiful jewelry. He happens to be in another country and it's at least on the same continent that I live in in Europe or something. And I get my fucking horse if I have a horse or I just start walking because I'm super interested in, you know, I've been practicing trying to make jewelry and shit like that, but I've never, and I've seen one example of this guy's work and I just want to go find where that guy is and, and learn from him, see more examples of that. And so I invest in this whole fucking epic journey and like, and, and take notes along the way and this and that. 
and I get there and I, I see the examples and I marvel at it and I then I, I, I start to study and maybe the guy says, ah, you're a, you know, a peasant from another country, go away in the language that we don't share. And, um, it, 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 and there's this, so going to, I mean, seeing the actual examples of success or expertise, they were not as immediately available. We had to invest to just see them. We had to expend effort. We had to try hard to go, you know, be around these things potentially. And therefore, it made sense that we would actually have to work to, you know, achieve our version of what that level of expertise or artistic expression might be. And now I think, okay, it's in my face. It's in my face. It's in my face all the time. And and so freely accessible just as an from an observer standpoint um, that I also have you know that just informs the idea in my head that it's also um possible to achieve it in a fairly short amount of time the one thing that you said (laughs) real like that's why i went scribbling um how success is talked about now is like it's a surefire thing as long as you show up and do your thing and I think the opposite needs to be said. Failure should be, um, you're meant to fail. It's That's the guarantee. Right. The guarantee is that you will fail. Therefore, success is a byproduct of not normal behavior, abnormal behavior, either doing something hard or difficult, um, and, and, and luck and all the other things that come into whatever success we're talking about. It could be physique-wise or whatever. What, where you were going with that, with, with saying like going out on this journey, presenting somebody with the opportunity to learn from a special character, um, it is kind of uh, building a narrative towards the apprenticeship and and how people have learned over the you know vast majority of human existence, and I think that ease of like seeing people make it easy. Uh, is overriding that other lesson that we get from doing things the hard way. And I, there's a there's a really hard conversation to have with somebody and be like, uh, you could, you know, what was the message you got today? Something about making 30 grand a year. Oh, yeah. A Mark, month. Mark Twight sent me a message <laughs> yeah. via an automated service that he's now using, right. apparently. <laughs> so this, th- this idea of like, oh, you can just do this and it'll be really easy as opposed to, you know, make it the hard way or whatever. There is something to be learned the hard way. And I, I think Mark had a really good example uh, before we started recording, talking about the mango. What was the the yogi? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it was a discussion about uh, process and v- versus consequence mm-hmm. in, in a sense. And, uh, and, and, and part of the the, the the prelude the working working up to this um, was his comment about you know that we have not experienced life we have concluded about everything and we have made conclusions about everything and that evolved into a discussion of um, uh, the, the the idea that you know societies have become so goal oriented they want the mango uh, they don't want the tree mm. and he further elaborated that look if you know the mango is a consequence if you just pay attention to the seed and the soil and water sunlight manure you know fertilizer whatever um then the if you pay attention to those things then 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 the mango is automatic 
almost, as long as you don't plant it in the desert, as Keegan pointed out. But um, so you'd have to pay attention a little bit to climate, the appropriate climate for the the thing that you are, you know, that that uh, that, that you're doing. Um, but and, that, and, that and, in and, itself, right there, is a really good example of like, okay, let's say that it's a bad climate. Therefore, so, so hang on, so so, that, so people want the, the the consequence, but not the process. That was the entire point. Is like you see the thing and you want the thing, but you, but no one is wanting, as you said earlier, Michael, the the process of making that thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think, uh, like, give that that is a very good analogy based on a couple different things. You can, everybody can have access to the knowledge and whatever if they just seek it out. Um, they can get their mango, their metaphorical mango or whatever, but it is not the same for everybody given climate and how far you have to travel to learn. We're dealing with a very similar thing where people, you know, when we had people here, they're talking about how hard it is to do fitness in Texas because of the humidity oh, and the right. lifestyle. And, the, and it's the, no the, different the climate or the environment yeah. that they're in. Yeah. The environment sucks and the people around you suck. It doesn't mean you can't foster it though. It just means you're going to have to work harder to rise above whatever that mean is. And I, I like, I like that analogy specifically because um, it, it is very Zen esque. It's very Buddhist in, in, in how they approach this thing, which is, you know, the, the, the target is not the actual target. Like when you shoot an arrow, it's not necessarily hitting the target. It's like the process that you go through in order to achieve that thing. But once the arrow's in flight, that becomes like, that's the journey is that how to get the arrow on trajectory becomes this, uh, esoteric and philosophical plight that we're on. Therefore, if I want to learn how to grow a mango and get that thing that everybody desires, I actually have to go build a relationship with the person that knows. I have to foster time and understanding and learning. And then after all that, now I can develop my own thing that will produce the fruit that everybody will be jealous of. Because it's going to be a hybrid fruit because I injected a little bit of kiwi <laughs> into that. Or I did, you know, grafted some shoots onto something else and, well, you know, made this thing. But but I could only do so. I could only foresee this this new different fruit or whatever um, because I had done all of this studying and work and practice. And, and I, I tried and I failed multiple times before I had a insider. And I guarantee that that fruit at the end of it, once you acknowledge the process and the value of going through that thing becomes not so valuable. I mean, it's a, it's a side effect of the actual process because now you have a friend or a mentor. Now you built relationships with people you get seed from and, you know, fertilizer from, and you've developed the land on your own with your home. The value that goes around that process far outweighs the thing dangling at the end of the tree. Right. That's just the offshoot that I can sell to any asshole that thinks that's the thing. And that's what we get or, with or, the person. Or, just, or simply wants the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then I can use the currency that I, you know, traded that thing for in order to keep developing my process. In essence, I, I think uh, the, the closer we get to the, in this, we've said this for years is when people see somebody who's lean, oh, I want that. Are you sure? And most people that go through the process and can sustain having a lean, healthy, whatever, um, they know that having the visual representation of fitness, what most people identify as fitness, is not the important thing. It's the experiences that it allows you to have. But that's really hard to or, sell. Because or the experiences you, you had on the way to, a, 
you know, ac- accomplishing that objective, right. shall we say, like that, that, oh, the, I'm climbing to, and this, this was a discussion I'd, I'd, I'd had numerous times as a climber because, um, and it almost became kind of a joke in the end of, oh yeah, I'm, I'm everybody thinks the point of climbing the mountain is getting to the top. So right. I'm going to just sometimes purposefully, sometimes not, not get to the top mm-hmm. so that we can have a discussion about something else. And some, you know, many times not getting to the top in the beginning of my career was because I wasn't fucking good enough to get there mm-hmm. and didn't, and didn't, you know, earn the right to stand on top or circumstances or this or that. And, and, but to me, it's just like, or this is a commentary about process, not, a, not acquisition. And then would you say later you were good enough to recognize that that's not the important feature of the mountain? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or the, not necessarily the important feature of the activity, mm-hmm. at least for me and I wanted to have a discussion about that more than anything because it's like if if that is if if the summit is the you know is the most important thing and you are as a climber unable to reach that summit under natural conditions let's mm-hmm. say um, but you it, but you but you you don't revere the process itself all you're only looking at that objective that that acquisition of the having done it rather than actually doing it. Um, if you're stuck in, a, you know, with, with that thing in mind, then you're going to, then you're obviously going to cheat. You're going to have people carry your shit for you. You're going to trade money, um, you know, in, you know, in exchange for someone else's effort to help you get there, you're going to use, you know, artificial means to reduce the technical difficulty or the overall difficulty of achieving that objective. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, use artificial oxygen, use fixed ropes. Don't actually climb the terrain yourself. Don't actually climb the terrain, climb the rope. I mean, that kind of stuff is is w- what people who aren't up to the task do in order to have done the task. Hmm. My head's going to explode right now. I'm thinking about that uh, whole <laughs> apprentice, journeyman, master thing, because I feel like that still does exist, but we get to see a lot more of the people taking a different route now, but at the same time, we'll call it the consumer or whoever would be the person using the service or buying the product also wants the easy thing as well. Or maybe they're engaged. I mean, we are, you know, being dicks about it in a way, describing it because, because yeah, I, 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 part of the fact that I've got myself all wrapped up in my white privilege is that I can buy the mango and that allows me to concentrate on, I mean, I don't even like mangoes. I don't think, um, <laughs> but I could I could buy it, and that allows me to concentrate on doing this other thing that I'm involved in that, yeah. is, that is more important to me. Where where I am pursuing the apprentice journeyman master type relationship um, or, or process, let's say. It's, uh, so it's, I guess we have to clarify, like we are using this as metaphor, not oh like no, an, 100%, I, I get actually, <laughs> no, no, and I'm totally on board with what you're saying because yeah. I do think. There's a lot more people now that aren't taking the let's seek out the best, let's learn from the best. Right. What's the easiest path from A to B so my bank account goes up, or so that you know my couch is more comfortable. Right. I have a couch. Um, and the same or, thing. Like so, my example was going to be if somebody called me and they were like, "Hey, I want to lose a bunch of weight," and I'm going to use Michael for an example. Be like, "Cool. Here's Michael's number. Give Michael a call. He's really good at doing this thing." I feel like most of the time people would go. Ah, Michael Blevins, yeah, I've heard about him. Now that'd probably be a little too hard. I'm going to go with this other thing that sounds like it's easier. 
I do have a reputation. You do. That's somebody, why I figured it'd be somebody a good. Somebody told me. <laughs> uh, just, just for burning shit down, though. All right. Which, but, but what that, including just, fat cows. Ex- boom. <laughs> boom. I was about to say, you incinerate fat. <laughs> it, I didn't. I didn't know how to conclude that. That's why my head was... Hang on one second. The fat that you were trying to burn in the context of that conversation (laughs) was, you know, covered in, apparently, like it was somehow not flammable because it'd been (laughs) on those bodies for so fucking long. The adipose Avenger. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Do we have a new no. uh, the brown no. fat phenom? Yeah, the brown. Fat, oh my God, just just littered with URL potential today. But I'm going to pick and choose. Um, yeah, you might want to go. Somebody might say, "Oh, I've heard that those that, that the process that is required to you know by that individual, Michael, um, <laughs> is harder than I'm willing to do." But I still want the objective. Is there some other way I can get there? Right, and I think Keegan, people tell me no, no, no. Wait, you, what? you have to go to Michael and Michael only. But but this is well, this is the, the kind of funny part. Is some like that in itself is sometimes the best part of the journey. We think that we can shorthand things. We think we can shortcut them. I guess is better. Um, and so we go. Oh, eh, I'm gonna go left, and then eventually we have to go right anyway. We we it's like thinking that we. I don't know if you've ever used Waze, the app, a map thing, whatever. And you think you can outsmart it. You're like. Pfft. I know better. And you take like, I'm going to go right. And you end up like 20 minutes later than what it told you originally. And you finally concede like, okay. Well, now Waze is crowdsourced, right? Yeah. but So it's based on real-time information being contributed by other people's phones who are on the ground at that point. And you're going to outsmart that? (laughs) Yeah, sometimes. (laughs) But but here's the real lesson. It's like everybody thinks they can outsmart the thing that has you know, collective yeah. value to it. And and they think that, but the value, you won't find that valuable until you fuck up enough and you will respect that value. Like until you spend enough money or enough time or enough of your health doing it the wrong way. And this is, I like, bought enough shortcuts. Right. I want, to- I want all those people that are like, Oh, I've done paleo. I've done this. I've done that. I've done that. I'm like, cool. You just kept looking for shortcuts. Now are you ready yeah. to just give up? Or are you ready to invest in the thing that over time produces the best result? So Keegan, you should tell them that when they ask you. (laughs) (laughs) Don't let, like, again, let them go because you can't, there are some things you cannot learn until you fuck up and burn your own hand. Right. And I mean, I'm just cynical about the fitness industry as everybody's well aware. Um, But it just seems like, and that's my only context for this conversation, but like people aren't seeking out the people that are the best at what they do. They're seeking out the people that are best at marketing or saying the words that you want to hear. So I was kind of making you feel good about your really slow progress when, when, when rapid progress is actually available. So I had this experience last week. Okay. Um, I've been waiting for it for a while. Um, somebody interest me or one of your ridiculous friends interested me in free diving. And I was like, ah, whatever. Until I looked it up and found out that it is a psychological limitation. It is rarely ever physiological, um, which a light went off and I go, Ooh, this could be fun. And I started looking into how to free dive and how to practice for it because I live in Utah. There are no free diving pools here. There's nothing more than like 10 meters or whatever. And so I started looking dry land training, all this stuff. And eventually, um, I can't do any, like, there's nothing I can do. Like I, I can hold my breath for as, you know, I can learn to do that on land as much as I want, but it is a different experience to go in the water. So finally last week I got to meet a free dive instructor 
who, you know, instructed me through and taught me a lot of the stuff that I was doing wrong. And eventually I was like, well, I want to come spear fishing and do free diving. How do I prepare for that? So I'm, and his only thing was like, you can't like to, you have to do the thing to know what to prepare for. I can't explain it to you. There's no shorthand here. You have to be in the water and you have to understand the pressure that's on your head and on your chest. And like once you get down deep enough, 20 meters or so, there's no way to explain that. The suffocation that happens down there, the like the claustrophobia, the pressures of that thing, you have to feel it. Like I can describe it. You know what words I'm saying, but your experience will dictate how you can prepare, prepare for it later. So I was like, so what do I do? He's like, you come out and you experience it and then you'll know what to do. And it was like, oh, okay. So I need to buy a ticket. I need to. I was just saying, now we're all going to Tampa. Now, we're all, and, and that is really beautiful to me because it, it literally describes everything that we teach. And I know this, yet I still fall victim to the same pretense as everybody else like what's the shortcut how can i get the hack to the thing and learn how to do it but so i appear to be the better student and in the end he knows i'm a good student because i'm looking for how to do the thing and if i'm a really good student i'll take his advice and just show up and, and show learn, up learn the hard way there's a something happened um I, this reminds me of an incident back with the scott and i experienced together in a conversation with someone that that illuminated to us how you have to experience the thing, which was somebody said, well, they were asking about, you know, what should, you know, I'm going into the situation in the mountains. We got, I'm going to have to spend the night, you know, what's the, what, what, what is, what are the things that I need um, to, to carry with me and to know in order to spend this night out on this, in this particular situation? And Scott and I started like this possibility or that possibility and then concluded after like 20 minutes of fucking around like, okay, we're two of the most expert guys in the world right now about this and we don't even know how to answer your question. I think you just need to, you know, make the best decision that you think you can make and then go. And, you know, yeah, there is consequence or whatever, but it's not going to be fatal. You're just going to get cold. But um, if you, if you fuck it up, and you're not, you're going to be cold even if you succeed. So, um, especially if you succeed. But all but arrows the, but, point to cold. All, all <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's and, and there's cold that you you know you are equal to, and there's and and are able to accept, and there's the cold that you're you're not able to. But um, this uh, one of the my notes from today was the question: How did we go from seeker to observer slash commentator? <laughs> and what you're talking about right there is like you're seeking, mm. right? Where um, somebody might just observe from the outside mm. and go, oh, well, free diving, that's just all about holding your breath. If I just train myself to hold my breath that long, then I can do the do well, the thing. Because which, to be fair, to, I did do that. Yeah. Right? Like, I I mean, but, I, I took a large dose of mushrooms and went to the park and held my breath. And I could, you know, I could do repeats at 90 seconds, no problem. And then, <laughs> Which sounds like a good time in and of itself. Dude, I was in the water, for sure. <laughs> like, I promise, I was underwater. And it felt like I was underwater. But I, I and I practiced get, to be get a good someone student. to come, like, kneel down on your chest. <laughs> well, here's one of the things. Like, Next time. If you're your smart, head. like, one of the first, I did know enough about, you know, when people were warn you you cannot train this alone do not train this alone ever oh, yeah. no matter how good you are you do not train alone because blackouts happen and you don't like as a beginner you don't even realize what could happen now most cases most people psychologically trying to hold their breath underwater aren't even close to being in danger because they they will give up faster than anything it's when you get to the mediocre level that you become dangerous 
And this is where yep. this is. The, I feel like that applies and, to almost everything. This is the blue belt. Is like I know just enough to be dangerous and get myself in trouble. Um, and, and I knew that was there, so I I decided to breathe. I would just do dry land training. I would you know, well the I did really well in the dry land training because I had prepared for it. So we did a, a, a dry land breath hold. They did a br- uh, breathe up up until two minutes. I held it perfectly fine. Could have gone three. Felt really excited about the water. Got in the water. Sat there for thirty minutes. Started shivering. He looked at me and he goes, uh, this isn't going to go well. And I was like, oh, well, I'll just like warm up. He's like, y- you would have to get out, take a hot shower, come back about an hour later and he'd be okay. Like, you well, know, it would take hours. To yeah, yeah. Let me, let me try this real quick. So, you know, we did a breathe up one minute panic, two minutes panic. Like, dude, I suggest live blade training and this is how you're going to do it. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to find a swimming pool 12 to 15 feet deep. Okay. I'm going to handcuff you to one of those big-ass kettlebells that um, that place makes. I'm going to toss the key into the water. You got a couple of choices. You can walk around with that fucking kettlebell for the rest, you know, until you can get to Skaggs or someplace and buy a handcuff key. <laughs> or talk to one of my ridiculous friends who, you know, carries one taped to the inside of the back of his belt. Um uh, Or you can just, like, toss that kettlebell in and go with it, find the key... <laughs> however long it takes i'm into that <laughs> we'll rent out a pool this weekend yeah, yeah right. exactly yeah uh, what paperwork do we gonna need to sign to, to undertake this well, <laughs> potentially I, fatal training <laughs> <laughs> potentially yeah. a high well, potential high it's not it's not guaranteed no it's not for sure fatal Sur- you might survival. find the key i mean you'd have to rise above the medium to to be able to to get above that, the um, it wouldn't take a very heavy kettlebell. <laughs> no, it wouldn't at all. <laughs> we wouldn't even need one of those big ones. No, I don't think so. That'd just be more visually impressive. <laughs> as long as I could like decompress and clear to go down, then I think I'd be okay. <laughs> I, it, it did. It got me really excited though because I haven't I haven't hit a apprenticeship feeling in a long time other than jujitsu and that 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 is one of those things where it's i mean jujitsu for me illuminated immediately how dumb you every day is like showing you how dangerous it is to be a beginner because as soon as you think you learn something and you think you advance it gets taken away the, the rug gets swept out from underneath you and it's one of those things where you can't a lot of people are like how do i test for the belt and get the belt and get the thing that's the that's the equivalent of society today. How do I get the next belt? How do I get the next belt? Get more more stripe on my belt. If that, well, you need to attend more classes and take potentially private tutoring and and uh, and actually, you know, if you if you just made a financial contribution to my institution, <laughs> it might speed the process up a little. In which case, most places that works, but you cannot become the thing through osmosis. It doesn't just like there's something very different on how you approach it. Well, we may be taking the same class, but I guarantee I'm thinking about something different than the person that's aiming for the thing and the person that wants to experience the thing. Yeah. They are different. So the person focused on the consequence is having a different experience than the person focused on the process. Yes. I think so. Because I see people go through it. I mean, I... I I mean, I think that's a universal thing. Yes, in in everything that I've ever done, like in weightlifting, it was the same. I did like, yeah, in the end, I wanted to be able to lift the heaviest weight possible. And in my weight class, it would have been good to have around a 285 to 295 pound snatch. 
getting there, like looking that from only being able to snatch, you know, let's say starting, I, you know, could only do 150 pounds and then slowly adding onto that. I realized very soon into the game that it had nothing to do with, I kind of knew that that was, um, physically limited, right? Like whatever I end up hitting, I end up hitting. And some of it's psychological, some of it's physical, somehow it's how you prepare. But in large part, what you are capable of lifting, I'm not, I'm not going to snatch 400 pounds like Klokov or something like that. That, that is outside my wheelhouse. Therefore, there has to be something else that's important about this process. And it is the process itself. Then, then having a sign. So it might be the number on the bar. Mm Mm-hmm total weight on the bar that attracted you in the first place. Yes. It might be the summit of the mountain that attracted one mm-hmm. climber in the first place. But in the process of trying to achieve this um, arbitrarily established by nature mm-hmm. or society mm-hmm. or, you know, the narrow segment of society, um, that objective is has been arbitrarily established in a way. Um, it, it's It's by way of trying to achieve that thing that you learn that that thing is is irrelevant. So mm-hmm. the look on the movie screen that you think is what you want mm-hmm. is, okay, That if that is a motivating thing and it gets you to try and start changing things or aiming your effort or, or uh, reading, learning, doing whatever the, it takes to try and achieve that thing, you, you realize, okay, that the thing was, yeah, it was great as, a, as the signal fire. But it's not the thing. And for sure, a signal fire shouldn't make you feel fucking, you know. It, it got me walking I mean, in the right direction. Like it was the beacon yeah. that went like, oh, that would be cool one day. And now I'm back on the path looking at like what's the best way to travel and how to travel. And so in in snatching is a very good example. It's like everything that you change, every time you have to rebuild and rework, you change every single thing about it. And so you could say that success only happens because of iterations. Like I can only get to where I want by changing absolutely every aspect over and over and over again. Because if you don't like once people learn like, "Oh, this is my snatch grip. This is my foot stance." You're already on the wrong path. This is where I grab it now because this is all I know. This is where my feet are because this is all I know. As soon as I know to do a different for a, re, a different placement for a different reason, it will illuminate all sorts of other lessons. And if you and if you can actually stand in the present and admit that that this is how I do this because this is what I know right now, then maybe that prevents you prevents it from becoming an anchor, right? Because when you say this is my stance, this mm-hmm. is my grip. And then you keep trying that way over and over and over again. You've basically anchored yourself yes. to this is this. It, this is the thing. And before long, I am a weightlifter who does this. And I've anchored myself to an identity and everything else that goes along with it. But as long as I am somebody who's on a journey learning and practicing and doing other iterations in order to find this tangible goal somewhere. But if you can if you can have that self-awareness it, in any time, any place in life of... Okay, this is I, I I see the signal fire. I see the you know if I'm the adolescent male and I'm this I want to be like that and if I'm not like that I feel like shit or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, irrelevant how you feel. Um, as long as you can in that moment say this is where I am right now. This is me doing the best that I can right now. Obviously, I don't look like that person on mm-hmm. screen because that person is in a different 
place with different capabilities, but he's a human being and he got there by human means. It's a human experience. I'm a human being. I can potentially have the same experience or a similar enough experience. I just have to accept where I am right now as being limited by what I believe about myself right now and and as being a particular place on a path along which I can move or beside which I can sit on a bench and observe and make snarky comments. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Like, and this is where it gets real. Uh, maybe this is why it's so disturbing because we keep looking at, uh, like we, we keep referencing people, say, you know, th- this culture that goes, oh, that guy's making me feel bad because I am in, unable to do that, therefore shaming me. I mean, you're shaming yourself essentially, yeah, right? And and that whole hashtag, that fuck body shaming hashtag, I saw today. Just like, <laughs> wait, nobody in this room body shames more harshly on themselves. <laughs> I mean, if there's, I, sh- I should have worn my shirt today that says "fat shaming works." Yeah, especially God, when you stand in front it. of the mirror and you look at it and you're like, yeah, I'm. I'm trying to change me. Yeah. Therefore, I need to sort of, I, I'm going to manipulate me by talking to me in a certain way. And that's going to be. And shaming is like bullying. Like, I'm sorry, but bullying cannot exist online. That is not, bullying was something that is forced upon you on a kid and you cannot escape it. That's why it's so terrible. I can shut the fucking computer off and no one can say a thing well, to me. I'd also say, and beneficial possibly. Uh, totally, yeah, because you have to overcome something. But instead of like, don't make me feel bad. And this, this, I mean, let's draw this out. If, if don't if, read my words. If we don't, <laughs> yeah, exactly. If we don't want people to make us feel bad, that has to do with our own expectations and our own like. No one, and this this comes back to you know the sticks and stones thing. No one should be able to hurt you verbally. Like that, that should not affect Wait, you. Fuck, I, I totally forgot that. Right? Like, is, I, but, and if it does affect you, it's because there's truth in it. And yeah. if you just don't like truth, then just say, hey, will you not be honest with me? And then you'll understand everything that you need to about the people that make you feel bad. Because that that's generally where we get, if something is so off and wrong, we laugh about it. So if I was like, Keegan, man, how is it being a black male? You would chuckle and be like, well, I'm obviously not. And therefore, any sentiment tied behind my statement I, I would have gone actually sense. somewhere else, <laughs> dude. Um, how's that anorexia working out? For you? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, I was going to say. I mean, every night I went home and cried because every day I'm here. In case anybody hasn't heard this, Mark tells me I'm fat. <laughs> <laughs> I actually offered to get you a two day sandwich yesterday, and I fully expected you to eat it in one day. <laughs> I would have. But that's a perfect thing. Like some things we are sensitive to. If 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 you're like Michael, you talk too much. I go ooh. That makes me feel kind of weird because I probably do. Like that—that that is something that I'm sensitive about because of the honesty behind the statement. Therefore, anything that makes us feel bad, we should probably look into that. Otherwise, if we draw this logical conclusion out of like not making people feel bad, it's like, well, that person survived cancer. That makes me feel bad. So fuck that person. Kill him. Like the, eventually one person's determination to overcome something cannot be somebody else's shaming like that that your your own personal journey cannot interrupt somebody else's unless it's just on an association of emotion was that too far was that too far of a correlation i was gonna say it's too soon but okay you know um but but uh, and there's probably and one of the reasons i wanted to bring the 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 topic up Mm -hmm. is because i wanted to find a way like find a 
um, because I, I want to understand like the, oh, I look at the thing and I feel inadequate, right? I mean, it happens with me and we've talked about it before, you know, sometimes shooting pictures, mm-hmm. I see some photographs that other people have taken and, um, and I just want to stop taking pictures. I, I feel an inadequate. I'm just like, oh, well, I, 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 because I'm comparative mm-hmm. and I want to compare my output to that output, mm-hmm. I go, I can't possibly, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not even 10% of what this person can do. And then, uh, it, but my reaction is like, well, how did that happen? Mm-hmm. And as recently, um, and it's a book that's been, you know, recommended to me numerous times, a couple of, this guy, Joseph Kudelka, who, um, uh, probably mispronouncing his name, but that's kind of how it's spelled. Um, he was uh, poof, Prague in 68, 69, 70, whenever that was, when the Soviet tanks rolled in and he documented the fuck out of it. I think he shot like many, 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 I think 77, I'm, you know, now I'm stretching here, making, I'm not making shit up, but it's X number of rolls of film. Mm-hmm. Didn't develop it because... You know, he was just there. He wasn't a journalist. It was mm-hmm. just his country. And he was, he took these amazing photographs of the citizens of his city interacting with the Soviets that came in and, you know, uh, photographed like the, the, you know, the, the, the shouting and, you know, the, 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 these, these personal conflicts with, so, you know, the Soviet soldiers who are, you know, quote, just doing their job, unquote, and that kind of thing. Um, and, 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 and eventually that stuff got, got, got published. He got, he smuggled all the film out of the country because he, he was part of a theater group and he went to London. And anyway, this guy ends up as, you know, basically as an itinerant, you know, photographer hmm. traveling around. He got, um, got associated with Magnum, um, the photo agency. And, and, and he did this, you know, incredible, I think his first book is about called, uh, about gypsy culture. And, so in his notes, he's just like, I know that uh, here's what goes in my background. Two pairs of underwear, a pair of pants, two shirts, you know, a bunch of film in my notebooks, two, uh, two cameras that he, that he went around with. And he was so frugal that one, one year, you know, Magnum gave him a certain amount of money to live on for a year and he made it last, you know, two to three years so that he could just go out because he slept under bridges. He never you knew. He didn't have a tent apparently until like 1990 something. And he would just go around and shoot pictures and the reason that this guy's pictures are so good is like this year he shot 1200 rolls of film this year he shot 1300 rolls of film this year i'm like oh well i i mean it's not like a, I mean i don't feel bad hmm. you know looking at those pictures i marvel at them i wonder what it takes and now there's two books his book exiles and then there's a book called the making of exiles and that tells you everything you need to know about the way that particular individual was able to succeed and to, to, and what his process was, regardless of the consequence, you know, he just fully, you know, rejected this sort of normal. I have an apartment. I have my dark room. I have all this stuff, this structure. He said, you know, I am the best traveled and yet least published magnum photographer you know, that existed at that time. And uh, um, for him, it was process, process, process. And the outcome, it's just like, okay, so that year that he, you know, the two years that he shot 2,500 rolls of film or whatever, and there's, you know, six, 10, 12, whatever pictures um, in that book from those two years. A roll of film has 36 fucking frames on it, basically. Do the math. How many thousands of images were shot in order to get those 
six, 10, 12, whatever it was. And so I, sometimes I look at, you know, when I first saw his work, I was like, okay, I quit. Um, and then I'm like, well, I can't quit because I can't not do this for, for one. But it wasn't a thing that, you know, yes, his ability made me feel inadequate. Absolutely. Made me feel like my output was, you know, my results were inferior because it's fucking true. However, he's a human being. He had these human experiences that allowed him to express himself in this way. One could argue that, you know, photographic talent is a uh, kind of equal opportunity. Mm. You know, you're not going to be, I mean, yeah, some people just can't see, not that they're blind, but they can't see mm. the relationship of things with other things um, or people within an environment of things. But I just want to know that, you know, how we got from that. I see this human ability or human output and it motivates me. It inspires me. It makes me curious, as you pointed out, Michael, before. Um, the, the curiosity is a big piece of it. Um, how do we get from that to seeing it and then being like, you know, wanting special attention from the world because we can't do that too? Because we aren't like that. Because we didn't. Because we made other choices that are, you know, um, or or had other circumstances that put us in a position that we're in right now that we can barely fucking accept. Um, but. So I wanted to bring this topic up because I want to understand it, first of all, but I want to see what, you know, <laughs> is there a solution, quote, mm. you know, or some some way, some teaching, some idea, or are we just fucked? Like in general, as a society, for the future, forever, because the 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 the, the rock is rolling down the hill and it's already going too fast. Well, there's something in math called the the rule of large numbers which comes into play like as we grow as a population there is a regression to whatever the mean is so we uh, the outliers that pop up are are simply further and fewer between like if i if i um the the, the simplest correlation is so if i flip a coin For, farther wait further and fewer between i think yeah yeah okay there we yeah. go so if i flip a coin 10 times now statistically it should be 50 50 so i should have five but in 10 fuck it might be all 10 or heads but as i go on the more thousands and thousands and millions and millions the closer that gets to 50 percent. so as i as we grow into like as a species eight billion and nine billion and ten billion people the likelihood that we will rise above actually is minimized it's actually so, the opposite of what people think so so does that basically mean that the the those outliers if you will are less luminous the more you know the, the you know the 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 greater the norm you know the greater the quantity of the norm is that sort of what that what is are they I less luminous so. or, they, or you know because there's uh, uh, because it's easier to excuse as a freak show if if a higher and higher percentage go because as as i flip the coin more and more yeah now the anomalies that pop out become less and less uh, about like uh, the 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 numbers don't lie and therefore oh there's one person in the world that can do this compared to the eight billion therefore that's a freak that's the excuse that's the thing so according to large numbers i think everybody okay so he's actually more luminous right compared to the the mean 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The deviation between the mean is greater um, on average, but I, I would say in luminous, I would take it as illuminating, which yes. means I, I think it's dimmer because you go, oh, there's that flash. Oh, and it's so, not as bright. So, so far away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's actually dim. Or, or it <laughs> might be screen. that much brighter to the right person looking at it. True. But to the majority of the people, it's probably not. Okay. Uh, and that, that that's my worry. Well, that's not really my worry because it is, it is what it is. It's just that... Um, we are inherently crabs in a bucket. We want every we want to bring people within reach or keep them within reach. Um, and we do that to our athletes. We do that to everybody. We want everybody to be real now. Everybody should there, there are no gods, there are no heroes, there are no you know, because we want everything to be tangible and real and available to us. I was gonna say, or everyone's a hero and well everybody does heroic things. Exactly. Like just because you have a job and a badge, you're a hero, or just because you have, you know, a thing and a you know, another thing, you're a rich person or whatever. Well everybody should have access to this is the 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 distribution of equality of outcome to people. And that that seems like it would be good, but you you actually minimize the human spirit by doing that. You you minimize this whole experience by uh, equalizing the outcome of it. And, you know, like you would say, homogenizing, homogenize, homogenize, sorry. Homogenize. Not yeah. Ha- harmoni- yeah, it's a mixture of harmony Har- and homogenize. Har- Har- homogenize. Harmogenize. Harmogenize. It's like the Zen boiling down. I think we just established a new business. <laughs> harmonize it's harmonize it's a new milk process no it's going to be a, it's going to be a yoga studio it's it sells be, milk no 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 we're going to we're going to harmonize so everybody's going to do the same thing oh it's a yoga studio for cows <laughs> ultimately yes because that's where the money is <laughs> but but we got to try it on humans first, okay? So I want to do well, everything. I was, I was Everybody does human the exa- cows. Uh, oh, ouch! No, that's what I meant. Yeah, no, that's why. That's why. So and I, I just took it too much yeah. time together. I just took it literally. Way too I'm much. just trying to think like cloven hoofed yoga or something. You know, <laughs> now I'm now I'm. Now, but that's a different yoga. That's we play only black metal and um, <laughs> <laughs> cloven hoofed yoga. Uh, and and you got to wear these special things on your hands and feet you know? <laughs> for balance but and the, stability. But, but the good point, the good part about it is you don't need a yoga mat anymore because we because we do it in the pasture. Yeah, yeah. we do it in the nature. You know, out there, and that's where the cloven cloven hooves. It's real weird when you start milking people. <laughs> that's only it's it's not weird because you've already been through beginner and advanced, and only the the advanced or beginner and the intermediate truly harm you harmogenized because and once you've achieved harmony and consider yourself a more advanced student you can milk i was gonna say you can try other advanced to milk me, but <laughs> okay i'm gonna use a basketball analogy okay to Ooh. sum up the world for you these days let me know how i do okay i'm i am attentive. so when i was a kid and before that and that's only because those are the years i know because those are the years i was a kid you would hang a Michael Jordan poster on your wall, yes. maybe a Larry Bird poster on your wall, depending yes. on where you're from, maybe a Magic Johnson, but that basically covers okay, so the continental United States. For me, it was Lenny Wilkins, but okay. There you go. I'm with you. And you would look at that poster, or at least I would, and I'd go, man, I gotta, can't, wake up, can't wait to wake up tomorrow to start shooting a basketball, so maybe I can be that someday. Fast forward to 2018, you hang a LeBron James poster on your wall, and you go to bed 
and you go, I'm going to wake up and be that guy tomorrow. <laughs> so what happened <laughs> is the shooting of the baskets disappeared. The trying. The trying. Or or whatever the word practicing. we want to use, the effort, all of that. No, I think so. I think that's I'm probably pretty accurate. Like I and and I, this is always like the generation after me is sure. always shittier and lazier and whatever. I think my generation is pretty shitty and lazy, and I 100% think the one agree. before me is really shitty and lazy as well. So I think we're we're full of a lot of shitty and lazy people. But there is something to focus. Like there is something to be said about um, the ease at which something comes. It was it, it, in sports. Like when I was younger, there was no, there was no separation. There, there was no belief that like there was genetic freaks. It was all how much you can play basketball in it. Like, you know, and that's why we got air Jordans because that would make up the difference. Right. Yeah, of course <laughs> there was no genetic <laughs> separation. It was my shoes. Yeah. It's like, Oh shit. He got the new AJs. I mean, that's it was even a fucking so commercial. Good. Exactly. But there was no, and nowadays, I think it is fairly obvious where people are like, oh, yeah, not for you. Don't even try it. Um, just do this because it's easier. Um, or look like this. Yeah. And acceptable. So, and, and <coughs> this, maybe we just have to bring up the whole idea of counterfeit in this sort of context because of looking like if I have all the accessories that look like I, that, that look like success, look, that, that make me, you know, that I can decorate myself with and be apparently successful, um, then that is equal to. But right. I still know without all of my accessories, I, I still know how I, who I am and how I look without the accessories. So if somebody you know, so I get points upset. that out to you, you get upset and offended because you can't handle the comparison. Why else would they make counterfeit Louis Vuitton handbags? Yeah. Like why else? But what must it? What does it feel like to actually walk around with one that you know is counterfeit? Well, Compared to because it, because it's no longer it no the, it being counterfeit. Like the it, it seems to me like okay this I I could afford to have a real one of these bags if I was genuinely successful or didn't you know or had a really something to do with my credit card. I was going to say, but I don't think that's important. <laughs> um, but. But but having that thing or having the Ferrari mm -hmm. that was mentioned, you know, that you mentioned early early on, okay. If there's if if it's the real thing, it has a certain feeling about it. It's not a fucking Did, Fiero, that's for so sure. I was gonna say with a kid on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and 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 represents you know actual success or or maybe a trust fund, you know, whatever. But it but but there was a it, it means something. Because it cost something, it, and that number has is a is a, is a high number. Mm -hmm. So if I get the counterfeit one and I walk around with it, what does that say about me? It's trying to inform people that you are the same thing that could afford or has access. So to. I'm a liar. Yes, and a fake. Yes, a counterfeit myself. Yes, one hundred percent. And and then the reason being is because well, in general, these handbags are very expensive because they're very well made they're supposed to last a lifetime yada yada now they've become symbols of prestige now it's a shorthand for i have a lot of money therefore if i don't have a lot of money i can just wear the the bed but it is it is absolutely a false uniform so my response to that is mm -hmm. hey lady if you got so much money why don't you buy me a drink 
<laughs> well, that would just be your toxic masculinity speaking. Oh, God. <laughs> damn, that is toxic, actually. <laughs> I've never thought about that. Like, you know, wearing a fake Rolex or, yeah. you know, the fake bag. Like, what does that person feel like? I've thoughts never crossed my mind until right now. Because I've never I, wanted one. So oh. I've never thought about it. But, like, does that person, like, oh, nobody knows. I'm just going to act like the other person that I'm trying to be. As somebody who actually appreciates fashion and and things that are expensive, and I buy them for Erin or whatever, she's not a she's not a handbag person, but for some reason she has a lot of expensive handbags, i.e. me, um, because of the quality thing that goes in. It's not necessarily Wait, the status. I, I want you to start bringing those to work for you, for me, handbags for me. No, I want you to start using like a Louis genuine Louis Vuitton oversized sort of, you know, shoulder bag to carry your like gym shit around in. Just (laughs) casually treat it. Treat that bag like a piece of shit. I would go one higher and I would get the Louis Vuitton Murakami version with cherry blossoms on it. And that would be the ultimate status symbol because it's not made anymore. You're the only one in this room that would know that. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So in in which case, like I would be virtue signaling only to the people that have access to that culture and that art. And that's really what it's supposed to. to understand that particular one. Oh man, he has this special edition. I I was actually going to say to that point, that we don't know that most people probably carry around the fake ones because 90% of us don't have any fucking idea that it's fake. Exactly. Nor do we even know it's Louis Vuitton. Right. It's, it's, nor do we know that. <laughs> nor do, yeah. yeah. Nor do we even know you have a bag. Uh, and, and, and so, because so, we don't notice you because you're irrelevant. Then, then so what does the what does the physical so, like the physical yeah. counterfeit um, counterpart to that is basically like oh, look how lean and jacked that guy is, or look how, you know, look how big that girl's butt is. It might be surgeries or a boob. Like, that is counterfeit as well because we're trying to signal to other people that we are something that we are not. And that that's where we get uh, deterrent from, from what we're trying to present when we build people for movies or do whatever. We're trying to present the idea of capability and all this thing. And what people take away from that is like, well, if I can just wear the T-shirt that has abs on it, it's basically the same thing, right? Or, or actually, um, and I see this just just in terms of social media following, right? And sometimes, you know, every, every now and then, you know, I start looking, okay, who follows me and why? What does that person do? Why? Why? And I try to hypothesize, why would I be, inter- you know, what I post, not me personally, but because they're not interested in me. Um, why would what I post be interesting to this person? Fitness and motivation. Well, absolutely. No. <laughs> yeah, you scream that. <laughs> Fitness and demotivation. Yeah. Can that be our banner for our, our nonprofit Instagram is like, headquarters of the world's most demotivating fitness website or yeah. <laughs> most demotivating fitness podcast on the <laughs> got to be good at something rife with inside jokes and innuendo that's us um it, it but so sometimes and and there are a number of people and then i have to hypothesize because you know based on their social media presentation um but i do believe that there are a number of young men out there that think that if they can look the same way that the guy does on the screen um that they can also have that result of being on the screen absent the ability to act the talent the you know the right breaks to get in front of people who recognize the ability to act or to look in that you know um and i'm not saying they're looking for a shortcut it's just like you're seeing you're looking at the wrong thing because 
you know, if you go in with that, you know, if, if the thing that you put on a flag and carry over your head and march at the front of your own parade with is a picture of you and your physicality, um, then that also, then if you eventually did get in front of the camera as an actor, it would only be in that con. That would, uh, that would be, you'd be that guy. Yep. And you'd probably end up being a villain for about 12 seconds and, you know, then get killed and never be seen again. But, um, but if you went in with ability, with actual acting ability, mm-hmm. a chameleon like nature or chameleon like ability to play any character that you were asked to play, um, and to then, the, the physical manipulation is super fucking easy. Like that's the easiest of all of those things that you're seeing when you see that body on screen. It's like Mm -hmm. that guy, the only reason you're seeing the body is because there's a whole bunch of other abilities supporting that. Yeah. And if that wasn't true, any swinging dick with a set of abs could go be an actor. Exactly. Exactly. And it turns out that, you know, that's partially possible. (laughs) (laughs) Sadly, you know, just, just because actor is, you know, so, so such a loose loosely defined word um so but, swinging dick yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, it could be uh, it could be uh, uh but but the, but it but it's I funny just, because just got that okay <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long day uh, um i still haven't gotten it so <laughs> i'm just just waiting for the just waiting for the epiphany uh but this but this idea of like of in, in here, so somebody sees, take it back to the original topic, if somebody sees the thing and that makes them feel inadequate, and it's like, well, you're not seeing the thing that should make you feel inadequate because what you're seeing is the easy part. Right. A- apart from the fact that it's on the screen. Um, but, but, the, but the actual, you know, physical sort of appearance of this individual, well, that was, that was, the, that was the easy thing. You know, it was the, the 10 years of fucking, you know, you know, going to auditions and getting rejected. Um, and the persistence, you know, to keep going to more auditions instead of, you know, going out to the valley and doing porn, um, and 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 the fa- and, and keeping it, you know, keeping the weight job, you know, the waiter job or the bartender job or whatever, so that you could go through. You wouldn't want to do bartender because you got to go to night school or some kind of acting classes or something or interact with your, you know, with your acting group where other people are actually trying to get better at that particular craft and da 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 da. And then eventually, it's on the screen. So what you see on the screen that makes you feel inadequate is not the thing that should be making you feel that way. It's just like, yeah, that's, that's a physical appearance. That's decoration. You, that is the, those abs are decoration on the human spirit. And what should make you feel inadequate when you see that thing is that that is representing that person's persistence, good fortune in, in many cases, sometimes hard work, but you know, pretty much dedication to what amounts to a really, really difficult craft. That's what you should be should be making you feel inadequate, not the fact that, you know, the fucking ornamentation is beautiful and lovely. I think we have to be like taught to not want so many things like that. That is we're we're taught to wanting is too easy. I can want this. I can want that. I can see a picture of the thing and then I want that. But we we have to we're never taught um, what desire costs us. And then there was a really clever quote. Um, from uh, Naval like a couple weeks ago that has stuck in my head. And he basically goes, uh, desire is a contract you make with yourself to be unhappy until you obtain a certain thing. And so it is not free to desire something. It is not free to want something. It is literally comparing ourself now with our future self that's happy with that. Therefore, we can't be happy until we attain that thing. Uh, that that always, that, that resonated and made it like, oh, wow, that like, 
naturally sometimes I am like, no, I don't want a Ferrari. Fuck, I know what it costs. Like driving it is not worth the tire cost. Driving it is not, you know, uh, especially like uh, just owning one is is a ridiculous thing. I then have to worry about it because I've had a very expensive car and it is nothing but a worry, even as like a young 20-something male with a very fast sports car. Well, you need a garage. Exactly. And then I'm like, okay. <laughs> Which kind of means you need I have a, a custom $12,000 candy paint job. What does that take to protect? Well, Every time I drive on the road and I hear a rock hit, I have anxiety and I freak out that, you know, this thing that I pay, it's just a constant burden. Therefore, once I attain the thing, I go, man, I really don't want this. I thought I wanted it because I thought in my head I'd be driving and people would be like, whoa, check that guy out. It's so fast. And, and everybody so goes, look at that asshole. Yeah. And everybody's like, why is he driving so slow? Oh, there's rocks on the road. He doesn't want to. Now he's just annoying. Yeah. And so you see somebody at the it's same. no longer a Prius in the left lane. It's a. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's a slow 700 horsepower car or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then you see like the physical embodiment of what we think we want. Man, it would just be great to look like that because then people would appreciate me and think that I'm this capable person. But then you realize in order to keep that up you don't have a social life you can't enjoy any of the things that you actually enjoy and that the abs just really aren't worth the cost so therefore if we keep our wants and our desires in check we generally will be a lot happier especially if we if we dictate those wants and desires through experiences like i want to experience this as opposed to attain that this puts a whole new light on one of my all-time favorite phrases that Scott Backies would, you know, utter to people or declare loudly sometimes, which would, you know, I want to do this, I want to do that. And he would just look at him and go, how's it feel to want? <laughs> now there's a lot more meaning to that yeah. because well, along with want, and maybe he had that insight, you know, two decades ago, <laughs> um, seeing all of the unintended consequence of want <laughs> and and trying to point that out in a way that even I didn't understand at the time <laughs> I mean it's a tough it's a tough thing to negotiate because then if I'm taught that first well how do I how do I see something and know that it's worth going after and I was well time patience kind of allows for that because if it still rises up, like the initial want to be able to free dive and do this thing was like, ah, that would be cool. And then now it's, but, it's, but it's, when it's you, becoming an urge, not a want. It's becoming a, no, I need to experience this, not attain that. So let me ask, mm -hmm. why would it be cool? Like when, what, 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 why when you first sort of encountered the idea mm -hmm. and thought, wow, that would be cool. Why did you say that? What was it? What was it? What was it about it that? Well, once it was explained that, um, and and the goal is to hit a sixty meter depth, right? That was the like, hey, you should free dive down to sixty meters. That's two hundred feet. That's like a fairly hard thing to do. Um, is it, that like four plates on the bar for the bench? So yeah, 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 exactly. It's like, hey, not a lot of people can do this because it requires X. So therefore, it's shorthand for just, capability. Just to, say, just to clarify, I meant four plates per side right okay. i was just thinking how i've done five yeah uh, right. i know because <laughs> four is not that impressive so in it, it, four is fucking like another universe from where i'm sitting four total yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> this at first it was shorthand for man that'd be cool to attain that ability therefore i could brag about it and people would know that i'm capable even in the water yada 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 as i started to read about how to attain this very superficial goal i started reading about experiences that could only be had by training for such a thing and they're very esoteric and philosophical and you know otherworldly there is something that happens to your brain when it is deep underwater that allows you to experience something that you can't above water. And that that is across the board the thing. And so suddenly the 60-meter thing went away and it became about the process again. Well, how do I experience this thing? So it, it started just like every other need and want and desire does with just this this would be cool to do this one thing. And it quickly, after informing myself past the basic level of learning how to do that one trick, became, God, it'd be great to experiencing something that not a lot of people can experience. That's that that's that's what quickly made it an urge, like, no, now I need this, not just want. So to take it back to the solution, mm-hmm. <laughs> when you see the thing you want, Make sure it's actually what you want, first of all. (laughs) And the only way to do that is to understand everything that produces that either condition or uh, physical representation of the thing, achievement, accomplishment, whatever. Um, And then get really fucking curious. Yeah. And try to learn like, oh, it's not a six pack that I want. It's actually eight. Mm. Because eight turn on its side. It's kind of like infinity and that's a cool thing. And, you know going to be closer to the universe or I can get a six pack in six weeks I want a six pack with veins and that takes a couple years yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) Uh, unless you know um, there's got to be some kind of medication you can take to make your veins pop like that (laughs) I mean to get that roadmap vascularity or whatever the fuck they call it Um, dick skin is what they call it actually (laughs) (laughs) just just saying wait so from thick skin to dick skin and (laughs) in six easy weeks you Oh, yeah. no, they're not easy. <laughs> you got you to gotta stroke that shit every day. <laughs> Callous. Okay, <laughs> let me... No, you switch it. You, you, and we, we have potions for that, you know, to keep the calluses down. Um, so, no, you know, tr- try to understand what you're seeing as opposed to what you're seeing. Because, mm. you know, see behind the thing you're seeing, I guess, is is one of the solutions. Like, okay, if, that's, if, if, if there's a condition that I want to achieve, then mm. what... Does it t- like get curious c- to try and understand what are all the component parts that support that? Because you're only seeing the top of the pyramid ever. Mm-hmm. You're looking at someone's social media. You're looking at the best representation of their life experience mm-hmm. that they can possibly put out. Mm-hmm. Same with a movie screen. You're looking at the best possible representation of, you know, something that took a fucking year to make. <laughs> um, not just the body, but the whole fact that it's on the screen in the first place. And so obviously there's, there are these processes and, and the fact that the guy is on the screen and he has a body that looks a certain way, you can just say that, well, I see that representation and there's clearly he would not have been on the screen had if, if he could not act. So maybe I need to learn how to act. Or maybe if I just like I, I separate the body itself from the thing, mm-hmm. it's still tied to a bunch of work that, you don't wake up and look at the poster and I'm going to be right. that guy. And, and it's, and it's not a secret workout and it's not a secret way of eating. It's not a secret costume or the, 
you know, the right sort of spray tan. Um, all those things, those things may contribute ultimately, you know, especially if it's, you know, Halloween's pretty soon. So um, that could be a thing. But I, it, I, I think that it's sort of accurately seeing the stuff and then getting really curious about how to do it. And then that just cures you of like feeling shitty because you can actually do something about it. So if you're looking at these things and they seem out of reach, they aren't because they were reached by human beings. If you're a human being, quit making excuses. You know, quit quit finding excuses to not start and try, I guess. I mean, I could say that, you know, I'm not willing to live, you know, follow the gypsies around to all their various place, you know, festivals and gatherings and, and locations and how they get moved out by law enforcement and this and that, you know, and, and to photograph that. I'm not willing to do that. Therefore, I can't possibly shoot those pictures. Hmm. Well, th- that's true. But I, I mean, that, that's not my excuse for not. That's not an excuse to not shoot at least a couple of pictures every single day and to and to try and to do it mindfully and thoughtfully so that I could eventually maybe take a good photograph someday. Hmm. Seems fair. Yeah. I, I it's it's I mean you're you're essentially talking about don't focus on the the you know find a target, aim at it and then focus on the technique that will get you to the actual target but the target becomes as 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 soon as you start consciously working towards the target itself, mm-hmm. the target becomes um, almost meaningless right. in a way, or irrelevant. And so, I would take that back to this this uh, Indian uh, mystic that I was looking at, watching on the internet. <laughs> um, thank you, Tony, by the way. Uh, uh, and and just say, hey, look, it's the, it may be the consequence that gets you started on the process, but the process is the only meaningful part of it but mangoes are tasty i thought you didn't like them i uh, i'm I just saying remember. it to you know try and you know close this up so, to sell the mango <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah selling the mango is actually tasty <laughs> yeah no i would agree with that and I, th- I think that took a long time for me to learn and it's still hard i'm still like putting things together that aren't totally obvious that i know are truths but they haven't been verbalized like i've I've gone through this process enough times to know that the process is the important part, but I still look for tangible goals and there's nothing wrong with that. I just have to find the tangible goal and then as quickly as possible, eliminate the importance of the tangible goal and then focus on the thing that will get me there. Perfect. Keegan, thank you. Thank you. Michael. Thank you. Thank you for the topic. And and, and yeah, thanks for uh, entertaining my... Hot topic. (laughs) (laughs) And until next time. Anytime.